Money Sense is brought to you by the Ellen Becker Investment Group, three-time recipient to the Better Business Bureau's Torch Award for business ethics and integrity. The Ellen Becker Investment Group is the only Wisconsin investment company to receive this prestigious award more than once by providing exceptional planning and extraordinary service each and every day. Go to ellenbecker.com. Listen to Money Sense Saturdays at 2 p.m. and Sundays at noon. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. We're located in Pewaukee, just east of Highway 164 and Capitol Drive. We're in the Town Bank Building, and we're also in the village of Whitefish Bay. There we're in the Equitable Bank Building, which is directly across from Winkies and Kitty Corner from Sendex. Everybody knows where we are. And we are now also able to service our clients in Bonita Springs, Florida. If you'd like more information or more detail, please go to ellenbecker.com. You can get to know each one of us. Our pictures are on there. There's even... Um, a great video on our office space. So we welcome you to stop in either um, through the web or stop in personally. My guest today is Weston Wellington, and he is a vice president with the Dimensional Funds. He is um, one of the firm's market research experts. He works closely with financial advisors just like us and helping us to look at our strategy that we have with our clients. And one of the things that's so great about the Dimensional Funds is probably, I think it was around 2000 somewhere around 2011, 2012, we started working with the Dimensional Funds. And one of the ways that I became very familiar with the Dimensional Funds was as sitting on the pension board for the Milwaukee Pension and recognizing as we did research on some of the best different investments out there, what what, why weren't we looking at the dementia funds and why weren't they looking at us? And so it really was the beginning of a wonderful relationship. And so welcome to my show, Weston. How are you? Good. Very good. Thank you. You know, one of the things that has been um, a goal of ours is to really, with our clients, work with the the very best investments that we can possibly find, both from the style and how they invest, from the ability for us to not necessarily predict, but to have a, a general idea of how those funds and different investments are going to work in, in rising markets and in lowing markets, but also to look at the internal expenses of the funds that we use. And so we really um, appreciate our relationship with dimensional funds because dimensional funds really respond to all of the different things that we feel are important for our clients. And I know that you started working with the um, dimensional funds in 1995. That's a while back. Yeah, 23, almost 24 years now. That is almost as, that's about the same age as my company. <laughs> and uh, tell us a little bit about some of the markets that you've experienced and what that's been like for you to work with the dimensional funds. Well, I've been in the investment business for 44 years, so roughly divided into two halves. First half working for a variety of what I would call conventional money management firms or brokerage firms. And for the last 23 years working for Dimensional, taking a very different approach to investing. And I spend a lot of my time trying to explain to individual investors and people advising individual investors how everyone ought to at least understand 
this alternative approach to investing. There's the conventional way, and for what most people believe is the only way to be a successful investor is to try to study the economy and study companies and figure out where the economy's headed next and what's going to happen to interest rates and which companies are going to thrive and which ones are not going to thrive and try to make assessments about where the best opportunities are. And that sounds perfectly sensible. Now, the alternative approach that Dimensional follows is essentially to say there are so many people engaged in this effort trying to figure out where the economy is headed next and which companies will do well and which ones won't do well, that trying to duplicate all their research they've already done to come up with some other insight is most likely just going to waste money. You're simply going to pick over all the same information that millions of other investors have already done. So as counterintuitive as it may seem to many of us, it actually makes perfect sense rather than trying to outsmart all the other investors out there doing all this research on companies. It turns out it's most likely going to be a more fruitful way to invest if you simply minimize your risks by diversifying across hundreds or even thousands of securities and keep your costs down. And that way you're going to get the capital market rate of return that's available essentially to everybody. And for most investors with an investment lifetime to experience, there's a large body of academic research suggesting doing it that way puts the odds in your favor of having a successful investment experience by making sure you get that capital market rate of return and minimizing your costs. The alternative, you or someone you hire will try to figure out just the right stocks or just the right time to own the right stocks. It's going to be successful some of the time, and it'll be unsuccessful some of the time. And the research offers pretty compelling evidence that it's unsuccessful so often that you're better off minimizing your costs and, as I say, getting that capital market rate of return. Now, having been in this industry for the last 44 years, I've seen lots of very good markets. I've seen lots of very bad markets, declining prices. I've seen lots of experts come and go trying to predict the future. And to an overwhelming degree, the takeaway I have, if I or other investors had just sat still and bought a diversified portfolio and essentially played golf for the last 44 years, I would have done better than the overwhelming majority of all these experts we're constantly listening to. So in some ways, this is not just a message about how to improve your financial life. You could also extend it and say, this is a, a recipe for improving your entire life. You're going to have a lot less stress thinking about how to manage money properly when you let go of this idea that you have to predict the future to have a successful investment experience. The simple observation is you don't. You can have a very successful experience without ever trying to pick the right stock or pick the right time to own the right stock. Hopefully for a lot of people that's a, a message of freedom, not a discouraging message. 
You know, um, Weston, when we um, talk to our clients and almost across the board, because we do deal with a lot of people who are saving for retirement or looking at retirement, they want something that is safe. They don't want to lose the principal that they have. They want to grow their money, but they're not looking to hit home runs every every day, and they're not looking to take that on that type of risk. And when we were looking at building our portfolios, one of the ways that and, and we feel that we invest in a very unique way from other advisors out there. And one of the things that we do is we create a premier investment um, basket of, of both stocks and bonds and mutual funds. And what we do is we try to go out into the world and pick the very best, the highest quality, so that when we do go into these into these different markets, that we can feel with some certainty that we have investments that are, are going to come back. So when we sat down, we have individual stock manager, a large cap. We have an individual small cap manager that's right here in Wisconsin. We have an individual bond man bond portfolio manager that's right here in Wisconsin. And then we do use and, and sprinkle within to our portfolios different mutual funds. And one of the things that set Dimensional apart for us was that once we sort of did that dance together to see if we were a good fit, which I think is unusual for most companies anywhere, is that you just don't work with everyone, but you actually look to see if it's a good fit. You were able, your company came and sat down with us and looked at our philosophy and helped us to pick the different types of investments that you offer that would really enhance our clients' portfolios, both from your style of investing, but also from the low-cost perspective on those different investments. And so we have one pool of investments that all of our financial advisors use, and they determine as to what level each one of their clients should participate. And so Dimensional Funds was really a... Um, a great fit for us as a company. And so when we look at that, we really feel that the investments that you use, even as they are broad-based across all of the different asset classes, are really high-quality investments that we feel, as I said, with some certainty, that even these down markets are going to perform well. How do you select those investments so that we can feel really good about the types of investments that you select and the investments that you use within these different different funds? Well, let me let's just step back and uh, think about not just how the world seems to work, but how it ought to work. We have thousands upon thousands of securities. I mean, on the New York Stock Exchange, for example, today, we have roughly 2,000 companies that you could choose to invest in. And we have millions of investors. What seems likely to happen to the, to the price tags, the stock prices for all these different companies, if there are so many people engaged in this effort to analyze them, they're carefully assessing the prospects for all of these companies, looking at the products they make, the management, the growth in the economy here and around the world, it seems plausible that with so many people analyzing these companies and trying to assess what they're worth today and what they might be worth tomorrow, the prices, the stock prices, are likely to be fair. Now, what does fair mean? 
Fair means that for any security, any stock, any bond, the price reflects all the information that people can dig up today about the future prospects for that company, whether it's a, a bond paying interest or whether it's a company with, where you participate as an equity owner. So if the system is really fair in that sense, then what investors should care about, what they should focus on, or what their advisors should focus on, are, well, what are the risks that are involved with investing? Now, some of them are pretty straightforward. I mean, hopefully no one listening is surprised to learn that stocks can be risky. Any individual business enterprise is highly risky. Here's a little quickie quiz. What do General Motors, Eastman Kodak, Delta Airlines, and Kmart all have in common? Well, they all went bankrupt. Now, those names are still around in one way, shape, or form, but the earlier cohort of equity owners basically lost everything. They're never getting it back. That sounds pretty risky. How could you minimize that risk? Well, you could own a big basket of stocks, own hundreds or thousands of stocks. The chances of all of them going bankrupt, it's not impossible, but it's really, really slim. Does that mean that a big basket of stocks will always have positive returns? No, we can't say that. There have been times in the past, there will probably be times in the future when stocks do really poorly. But in a fair world, risky assets are going to be priced to deliver positive expected returns. It means we, our best guess is that they're going to have positive returns over any future time period. Not the same as a guarantee, but it's our best guess. And more importantly, they're also going to have more likely higher returns than much safer investments like bank CDs or treasury bills. So in a fair system, whether we're saving for retirement and we're later in life, whether we're just starting off and have decades ahead of us to save and invest, we should build a portfolio that acknowledges what are the risks. In a fair system, risky investments are going to have the highest returns. The safest investments will have the lowest returns. So someone who comes to us, someone who comes to an advisor says, I want, I want to be, have really, really safe investments, but I also want a high return. Well, we're going to have to ask them to call the tooth fairy. That investment doesn't exist. In a fair world, safe investments are going to have low returns. Risky investments are going to have higher expected returns, still not a guarantee. So the job of investors is to understand what are these risks, how much of a helping on my plate should I have in riskier, higher return assets compared to safer, lower return assets. Now, that's a challenging question for a lot of investors to grapple with. They have a hard time trying to evaluate what makes an investment riskier than some other investment. And this is one reason why Dimensional chooses to work with individual investors only through this network of very carefully selected professional financial advisors. Financial advisors, one of the key jobs that they undertake is to understand these different characteristics of risk 
in the capital markets, the stock markets, the bond markets, and also to understand their clients. What are their concerns? What's their investment experience been? What's their time horizon? And come up with a sensible portfolio that matches up their needs, their objectives with what the capital markets have to offer. That might mean a big helping of riskier, higher return asset for some investors. It might mean a very small helping of riskier, higher return assets for other investors. It all depends on not just the numbers of someone's financial situation, but also their attitude. How do they feel about losing money in a bad market? Someone who can't sleep at night if their portfolio goes down 10% doesn't belong having a lot of money in stocks under any kind of economic conditions. So the job of a financial advisor is, is in some respects, tougher than our job. They have, to have, they have two jobs, understand markets and understand investors. So understanding what the risks are, the unavoidable risks that are present each and every day in the capital markets, and behaving in a sensible manner to put those risks, those very real risks, to work on your behalf, that's the job of every investor ultimately when they retain a financial advisor to gain access to the capital markets in a sensible way. And we think most investors, perhaps not all investors, but most investors are probably going to benefit by having an independent source of advice. Just like every terrific golfer or tennis player, they've got a coach. It doesn't mean they aren't a great golfer or tennis player, but they can probably do even better if they have a coach who can constantly provide independent, objective advice and keep them at the top of their game. So that was kind of a long-winded answer, but basically we're in the business of delivering the capital market rate of return, and advisors have a very key role to play in educating investors about how to understand the different dimensions of risk and return in the capital markets. It's a mystery to many investors. <laughs> it really isn't all that complicated. It's just often made more difficult by the constant news background, which is very confusing to many investors, trying to sort all this out. In many ways, it's like trying to take a drink out of a fire hose. Yes. There's so much information. Uh, my guest today is Weston Wellington. He is a vice president with Dimensional Funds. Uh, he's one of the firm's market research experts, and we've been talking today about just general information as to how you approach your way of looking at your investments. And you know, Weston, Thanksgiving is coming up. Uh, and actually, by this time, it will it will have happened before we air this. But so many people think that they can uh, treat their investments like a turkey. You just set it and forget about it and hope that it cooks out right. Um, I'd like to talk a little bit about that. And I'd also like to talk about um, information around research. One of the things that we discovered at Ellen Becker Investment Group, my daughter and I, was probably about 12 years ago, is that it was very hard to be able to do the research on all of the different investments out there for our clients and still spend the time creating and getting to know our clients so that we could give them effective advice. And so I think one of the one of the most important parts for us with the Dimensional Funds is the research that you do and how easily we can adapt what you do to working with our clients. So let's take a quick break and when we come back 
like, let's just talk about, can you uh, treat your investments like a turkey? Can you set it and forget it? <laughs> With that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sets. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Weston Wellington, and he is going to uh, be talking to us about should you take your investment portfolio and just treat it like a turkey, you set it in the oven, and you forget it. What, what do you think about that, Weston? Well, actually, the, a lot of investors would be better off if they did that compared to the alternative, which <laughs> is taking the turkey in and out of the oven every six minutes and looking at it and trying to figure out why it's not cooking properly. <laughs> Great point. So uh, in terms of setting it and forgetting it, many individuals go through changes in their life. And more often than not, a portfolio should be changed, but only in response to changes in your life, your job, your financial future, your changing appetite for risk and return, not changes that you read about in the newspaper in the capital market. And that's where I think many investors get into trouble. Let me just play a, give some examples here. I'm going to read uh, a, a few recent newspaper headlines from the, from the business section of, of various newspapers, mostly headlines. So headlines, stocks plummet, threatening end to long bull run. Stocks deepen their slide after a rebound collapses. A sudden reversal in U.S. stock prices late in trading produced a sixth consecutive session of losses and heightened uncertainty about the challenges facing global markets. Another article, billionaire investor Carl Icahn has produced a video warning of danger ahead for the U.S. economy. Fears mount over U.S. stocks bubble. A growing number of investors believe that U.S. stocks are overvalued, creating the risk of a significant bear market according to research by Yale University market scholar Robert Schiller. Another one, investors scramble as stocks swing. Millions of Americans watched in horror as the U.S. stock market sank like a boulder Monday morning. <laughs> Do any of these sort of sound familiar to you? Do they sound like they might cause you some anxiety about uh, holding on to your stocks these days? Yes, it I does. I think a lot of people would say yes. Well, I, uh, I said they were recent news headlines, and I was being a little bit... Uh, economical with the truth. They were not recent headlines. They were from three years ago. How useful would it have been to read the newspaper three years ago and apply what you were reading to your investment portfolio? I suspect for most investors, it would have not only been not useful, it would have been possibly quite damaging. You might have been tempted to sell all of your riskier, higher returning assets like stocks and wait for a much better opportunity to buy them back at lower prices. Well, you're probably still waiting as prices have gone higher and higher and higher. And that's the challenge, the frustration that many investors find so difficult to grapple with. There never seems to be the perfect time to invest. If prices are low, it may be because the, the news background is very discouraging. Trying to find just the right opportunity and then sticking with it, that is a challenge that many investors, frankly, they fail. They say they'll do it, and then they don't. They buy, they sell, and a cycle of fear and greed repeats itself over and over again. So part of my role here at Dimensional over the last 23 years is to provide people 
a little longer perspective. Let's not think about what might happen the next month, the next three months, the next six months. Let's think about what's happened over the last 50 to 60 or 80 years and what might happen over the next 50, 60 to 80 years. And regardless of your time horizon, whether it's one month or 50 years, you can most likely improve your investment results by tuning out the noise and focusing on broad diversification and minimizing costs. When an individual is sitting out there today looking at the market being somewhat volatile, is there, you know, the thing is always is, is it the right time to get in? And when I look at funds and I look at a time like this and I had a client this morning and I said, how do you feel about the market? And she said, I love it. Aren't we reinvesting our dividends? And isn't it that the person with the most shares wins because dividend and income is paid on the amount of shares you have, not on the value of the shares? We own quality, right? And I think that that's something that a lot of people um, don't understand. They don't understand what they own. And that it, makes it, it very it, difficult. It, yeah, that's part of the... Uh this has been said many times by many very uh, well-educated observers, but your investment returns over your investment lifetime are going to be shaped, broadly speaking, by two forces. Number one, the capital market rate of return that's available to all investors. That's going to be one big powerful force. But the other force, and possibly even more significant, will be your behavior. How are you going to respond as markets go up or go down? And when you add those two together, you're going to get your investor return. And what we often find in, in a discouragingly large number of cases is that so many investors fail to get the capital market rate of return they're entitled to get just for showing up because they're spending so much time and effort trying to outsmart all the other investors, figure out what's just the right time to invest. Someone who asks, is now a good time to invest, is probably asking the wrong question. A better question would be, how do I feel about investing in risky assets on a permanent basis? Every investor should have a mindset when they're investing in assets like stocks. What if the stock market closed down for the next five or 10 years? It was still there. It just was closed for trading. You couldn't see the, the prices every day. They didn't, they didn't change. That's a lot like what, how people approach investing in real estate. How many people buy a piece of investment real estate and try to figure out what it's worth every day? Well, there's no public market for it. You can't figure out what it's worth every day. You buy it, you sit on it, and maybe after 20 years, it's land or it's a farm or it's a apartment house, and maybe it's done very well for you. If people adopted that attitude when they invested in stocks, buy it, hold on to it, diversify, and then don't stress about it, they would most likely have a more successful investment experience. My guest today is Weston Wellington. 
He is a vice president with the Dementia Funds. He's one of the firm's market research experts. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, let's talk about the, um, the research that is done on all of these different investments. As, as you said, there's thousands of investments out there. How do you know which is the right one to own within the funds that you do? And one of the things that I find is that it's very difficult as an individual investor, even as an advisor, to be able to do the research on the these broad markets for your clients. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker. My guest today is Weston Wellington. He is a vice president with the Dimensional Funds. And as I said earlier, he is one of the firm's market research experts. And boy, I'll tell you, doing research is, is a tough one. And so many people get married to investments, hard to, hard to sell them, and uh, people end up holding things that really don't work well for them. What is your thoughts on that? Well, let's take a step back. Uh, Dimensional was founded uh, really as an outgrowth of research conducted at the University of Chicago, but also other universities on how do capital markets behave, stock markets and bond markets. So the question for a lot of these academic researchers is not just, how do I find a good stock? It's, how does the whole system seem to work? Is there any kind of predictability in stock prices? Can I figure out ahead of time which are the good ones and which are the bad ones? Now, that sort of thing has been what most investment firms focus on, and many of them claim they can discover the good ones and avoid the bad ones. But one of the uh, researchers most closely identified with this line of work is a professor named Eugene Fama. He's been teaching at the University of Chicago for over 50 years. He was awarded the Nobel Prize in Economics in 2013, and he wrote his dissertation for his PhD back in the mid-1960s, and it was called The Behavior of Stock Prices. And he analyzed in exhaustive detail hundreds and hundreds of securities over long periods of time. And the essential conclusion, which is still strikes many investors as hard to swallow, is that stock prices are unpredictable. You can look at all sorts of information, company profits and dividends and sales growth and so on and so forth, and it actually doesn't confer any particular advantage to you in figuring out what the prices will do next. That's because there are so many other people who are also looking at all this information that, as I've mentioned before, on average, the prices are fair. They reflect all the current information we have today. What they don't reflect is the information we don't have yet, tomorrow, next month, next year. And that tends to arrive in an unpredictable way. And so the message here is that stock prices are unpredictable. Now, some people may find that a discouraging message. Is it completely chaotic? Well, in a sense, it's a message arguing in favor of broad diversification. If I can't be sure that I can identify the winners ahead of time, what I ought to do is buy all the stocks, essentially, and that way I'll assure myself that for every winner out there, I'm going to have some of it in my portfolio. Now, you will also have all of the losers but capitalism would have died a long, long time ago if there weren't more winning companies than losing companies. On average, stocks here and around the world have provided a positive return for people willing to bear the very real risks of investing in stocks. 
So our research focuses not on individual companies per se, but on broad trends. How should one think about constructing a portfolio, not of a few, a handful of stocks or a few dozen stocks, but hundreds or thousands of stocks? Our idea of a diversified portfolio would be something like 12,000 companies in countries all around the world. That way you're never gonna be vulnerable to the bad outcomes in any one single company. Companies go bankrupt every year. But if you have all the companies in your portfolio, as research suggests is a good idea, you're gonna wind up owing all the winners as well as all the losers. And the good returns from the winners historically have more than compensated for the poor returns of the losers. So by focusing on this very big picture approach to research, how do all the stocks behave when we look at the entire universe of them? That also allows for a much more comprehensive way of thinking about solving the investment problem in the most sensible way, in the most economical way, and we believe the most reliable way. So we're applying this academic research to the idea of investing, and we think enhancing the chances of success for individual investors as a result. My guest today is Weston Wellington, and he is, as I've mentioned before, vice president with the Dimensional Funds. The um, And one of the things, Weston, that you said was that it's a global market. And so let's take a quick break. And I know that you're one of the leading global investment firms and that you've really been looking at the research and putting it into practical investment solutions for clients as far as back as 1981. And so let, what does that mean? Let's talk a little bit in this next, um, this next time frame on uh, what that means to be a global investment firm and how important is it to be investing in the, in the countries outside of the United States. And with that, we'll be right back. Welcome to Money Sense. I'm Karen Ellenbecker, founder and senior wealth advisor for the Ellenbecker Investment Group. If you are finding this conversation very interesting as I am, um, please give us a call at 262-691-3200. We'd love to take a look at your portfolio, give you some recommendations. It might just be telling you that everything is great, but we're starting a new year and it's a great time to really take a look at your portfolio and start out on, on the right foot. My guest today is Weston Wellington, and he is a vice president with the Dimensional Funds, and we're going to talk a little bit about global investing and what that means and how important it is. Well, the market for stocks is a global one. There are over 40 countries that we could choose to own stocks in. And our overall viewpoint is that most investors should start with a global market portfolio, meaning you would own stocks in just about every country. Now, some people may have what's called a home bias. They're, they believe that for some whatever reason, the U.S. somehow has favored to have higher stock returns or lower risk than other countries, and they would want to have a higher allocation to U.S. stocks than non-U.S. stocks. I understand that, uh, that bias. We think the, the research documenting the, the uh, appeal of that belief is pretty thin. So what I like to try to do is maybe bring it down to a, a more personal level and 
see if diversification makes more sense when we think about it in terms of our everyday activities. So maybe you're in the supermarket and you're planning on baking uh, chocolate chip cookies this weekend and you need some chocolate bits. And so let's see, we're in, the, we're in the chocolate bits aisle and we can get chocolate chips from Nestle, company based in Switzerland, or we can get them from Hershey, company based in the U.S. in Pennsylvania. Now these are both big companies. They both have a long history of making delicious chocolate products. And from an investment standpoint, does it seem obvious to you that one or the other is going to have higher, longer-run returns on the company's stock? Well, it's not obvious to me. I'm not sure which. It could be Nestle. could be Hershey. I don't know. I think I probably want to own both in my portfolio. We can make the same argument. Are we going to invest in the oil industry? Should I have some Exxon? Well, sure. How about some Royal Dutch based in London? Which one has the stock with the higher long-run return? Exxon or Royal Dutch? Uh, geez, I'm not sure. They've both been around for a long time. Both seem to be pretty prosperous. Both pay dividends. Maybe I should own both. We agree. Own both. You can go down the list. Companies and companies, industries, industries. Goodyear Tire in Ohio. Michelin Tire in France. Apple iPhones. U.S. Samsung phones. Korea. In every case, we think the sensible approach is for investors to own both in the absence of a reliable way to pick the future winner. So just as we believe that investors should diversify across stocks in the U.S. or any country, we think they should also diversify their investments around the world, across countries. It's also a way to diversify what you might call your currency exposure. When you buy stocks, in foreign countries, you have to convert it to the local currency, the euro or the yen or whatever. We haven't heard these arguments recently in this country, but I can dig up scary articles and books from only a few years ago warning about the huge debts we have in our country and how the U.S. dollar is going to collapse one day. And maybe they'll be right. I don't know. I can't predict the future. But if I diversified my exposure to currencies around the world. I own not just investments in U.S. dollars, I also own them in Japanese yen or Swiss francs or euros. I've also diversified my exposure to currencies. And if it does happen to be the case that the U.S. dollar declines, perhaps sharply, sometimes in the years ahead, that will enhance the returns of my investments that are denominated in something other than U.S. dollars. So once again, this is an argument for broad diversification across markets around the world. When you think about um, the marketplace right now, I know you didn't bring a crystal ball with you today, but what, what are your thoughts just as we go into 2019? Well, my thoughts are that investors are fooling themselves if they think that jumpiness in stock prices, big swings up and down, is something unusual. We've had volatile markets, particularly sometimes this year. We've had volatile markets in the past. And if anything, the level of swings, the volatility in stock prices that we've seen in recent years is not larger than. It's smaller than 
what we saw in this country decades ago. So this notion that somehow we have computers running wild and we have Wall Street insiders pushing prices up or down in ways that we can't predict, there's nothing new about these swings in stock prices. Volatility is just a barometer of uncertainty. And the world has always been an uncertain place, and it always will be an uncertain place. And so when stock prices jump up or down for no apparent reason, they're working exactly as they always have and most likely always will. They're constantly sifting through news events, trying to figure out what is this company worth today? And so when I look at my crystal ball, I just see more of the same, more uncertainty, but I also see a positive rate of return as companies around the world continue to have an enormous number of opportunities to innovate with new products, improve existing products, solve problems that we haven't been able to solve before, whether it's in energy or technology or saving lives or improving the environment. There are many, many promising opportunities, and that's the nature of a market system, is to identify opportunities and companies that can solve those problems in a way that consumers find pleasing will earn a competitive rate of return on that capital. My guess So today... it will be a repeat of Capitalism 101 for as far as the eye can see. Well, and I think being invested is really important. I loved what you said, that part of the portfolio return is how each one of us react to our to our portfolio. We are part of that return, staying invested, understanding where we're at. My guest today is Weston Wellington. He is vice president with the Dimensional Funds. He's one of the firm's market research experts. And also, I have to say, um, Weston also restores vintage tractors in his spare time. So that's really that's really a fun thing. And you know, I think everyone thinks that we just sit with our nose to the grindstone here, but you have a great hobby. So sometime I'd really like to know more about that. But as always, I hope that I've made a difference in your personal and your financial well-being. Remember, before we plan, before we advise, before we invest, we always listen. Have a great weekend. Bye.